Welcome to another episode of Living Life Podcast, where we have conversations about faith, family, and life. Today we're talking about self-control. Is there a way to control your impulses, emotions, and desires? Especially those powerful ones like anger, frustration, rejection, and discouragement. Today we're talking about self-control, and each one of these can be really difficult to control, but self-control is necessary when it comes to the people around us. I'm Ryan Brooks, and as always, I'm with my dad, Boyd Brooks. So I'm excited to be continuing our podcast, and today we're talking about another very important principle, self-control. Really, it's the basis, the foundation for the other uh, principles. Self-control is something that God gives to us if we allow it. Uh, The uncontrolled life is a disaster. The, as Ryan mentioned, it's the ability to control our impulses and desires and emotions, especially those emotions that are out of control. For, for instance, anger is an emotion that we all know can be very much out of control. Nothing wrong with anger, nothing wrong with any of the emotions. It's when they're out of control. Proverbs says that if you give an angry man what he wants, You'll have to rescue him over and over again. The principle there is that his anger, his uncontrolled anger, is manipulating people. And a child can do that too with with their mother. The mother responds in the temper tantrum, gives the child what the child wants. What the child needs is not what he wants or demands, but the child needs firm discipline to understand that's inappropriate. We have to learn how to be self-controlled. It isn't something that just comes to us naturally. I think naturally we are uncontrolled because of our nature. We have to learn how to be controlled. Proverbs 15.1 says that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh anger only makes the wrath more intensified. But only a self-controlled person would ever know that to be a reality. The uncontrolled person is going to fall in that trap and just escalate the fight. Only a self-controlled person could bring a calm out of a potential quarrel because they're self-controlled. But self-control is not just about our emotions, it's also about our desires. Uh, I deal with hundreds of families over the years, and it's rare to find a young family today that is not head over heels in debt. And this is because they cannot control their spending and their desire to 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 have what they want when they want it, even though they don't have the money for it. It's called delayed gratification. But Proverbs teaches us to control all of our desires and impulses and align them up with God's word and what's right. In, in Proverbs chapter 5, there's this incredible illustration about uh, sexual desire, which is another area where self-control is so needed and so out of control in our society. But Proverbs paints a picture of the seductive woman, the wayward woman, as uh, as tempting or drawing away a man with his sexual desires. And it's in very vivid language. The, the, the proverb says at the end, why, why would you drink water from another spring? Why not drink water from your own spring? Referring to faithfulness in marriage where sexuality reaches its real fulfillment. So this, this principle of self-control is so important. It changes our lives. It changes our families. It allows us to experience uh, 
satisfaction in relationship with God and others in ways that we could never even imagine. Yeah, I think in, uh, in your message you said something kind of with what you just said with that passage that uh, we hear that phrase, the grass is greener on the other side, but that's not necessarily true, you know. Right. That's exactly right. I, I have heard this several times in something I've said for years, that the, the grass is actually greener where you water it. And that's, that's what Proverbs is telling about. If you want sexual satisfaction, then find it in the marriage that God has given you. If, if you want intimacy in relationships, find it in the people that God has put in your life instead of these counterfeit relationships that are only going to destroy your life. So we have to water... Um, water the grass so that we can actually enjoy it where it's at. And that's a, it's a beautiful illustration of self-control. In conclusion, I'd just like to say the greatest example of self-control is Jesus. Uh, Peter, who really had trouble controlling his, his impulses, watched Jesus, and I think he learned because in, later in life he said that Jesus controlled himself in the most difficult circumstances when he was on the cross Insults were hurled at him, but he didn't hurl them back. Instead, he trusted God to take care of him in those situations, which is the ultimate example of self-control. And Isaiah the prophet in chapter 42 of Isaiah describes the self-control of Jesus, and he says, A bruised reed he will not break, a smoking reed he will not put out, a smoking wick he will not put out. And the those are describing broken people. Jesus is so gentle that a person whose life is just hanging on like a reed ready to fall off, Jesus is so gentle, his control, that he actually can deal with that person in a gentle way. What, a, what an example for us as, as a parent dealing with our children or a husband dealing with their wife or a wife dealing with their husband with that kind of self-control. That's what we're looking to understand and apply in our lives, the principle of self-control as Jesus did. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Living Life today. We'll see you next time. If you're watching, just be sure to follow us or turn on notifications and then check out the website, boydbrooks.com. And as always, if you have any questions about what we talked about or maybe something you'd like to see us discuss, just send us those questions and we'll see you next time. See you soon. Bye now. Once I was standing in line at a huge hardware store waiting to pay for something, and the line was long, and I was just looking around at everything, and my little two-year-old son tugged on my hand and said, what's it look like from up there, Daddy? So I, I actually knelt down and looked at things from his perspective, and it was pretty incomplete. Uh, shoes, knees. So I picked him up, set him on the counter right beside me, and he said, wow, things really look different from up here. That's what I want to do for parents. I want to give them a different perspective of parenting. I've written a book entitled Responsive Parenting. It's written to young parents just starting out, parents who have kids of any age, and even grandparents. In my more than 30 years of seeing parents and families as a counselor and a pastor, for me, parenting divides into two categories, reactive parenting and responsive parenting. Reactive parenting is parenting from reaction, your own anxiety or your child's anxiety. It's putting out fires, it's, it's dealing with the moment. But responsive parenting is parenting with a long view for the child's best interest. It's 
Parenting with Biblical Principles. I, I didn't invent this, I didn't make it up, I just discovered it and wrote it down. It's what really makes a difference in families. Reactive parenting is so repetitive because parents parent the same way they learned. And if they didn't see a lot of conflict resolution and, and they lived with conflict, they tend to pass that conflict onto their children. And children exposed to conflict are gonna have problems. Whereas responsive parenting is about connecting families and helping them resolve conflict. It's not the one, two, three, solve it in 48 hours. This is a long view, but it transforms families. Responsive Parenting, Principles for Raising Connected and Healthy Kids by Boyd Brooks. Available at boydbrooks.com.